Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, October 11th. Woo! What a morning of results we were just treated to as tennis fans. I want to talk about all of those results today. That'll cover the ATP 1000 Masters events in Shanghai, where we had a borderline changing of the guards moment in our quarterfinal round. We, of course, have WTA events in Linz, in Tianjin that have WTA finals implications. We've got an American challenger this week. You know I'm locked into that. And even cooler, it is the not the kickoff, but the first major event of the 2019-2020 college tennis season going on right now. The ITA All-Americans officially kicked off. That's an individual event, but the top players in the country, men's and women's, coming together for a singles and a doubles tournament. So I want to talk a little bit about those results as well. You'll notice it's just me steering the ship again today, uh, next week. Given that, you know, the the discrepancies in time zones, it's a little bit trickier to record at night. We don't want you guys to listen to an episode and have it be, you know, a day old by the time you get it. So we do apologize for the miscommunications this week. We're going to have it all cleared up by next week. I'm definitely going to have Chris Haliorson to break down just the ITA All-Americans. I actually think he's going to be in Ann Arbor, so that may be an in-person pod and you know, with his scraggly good looks. He's the only guest we have who's definitely balder than me. So uh, that's always a fun podcast. We'll do that. Of course, I'll have Stokowiak, Jamie Rothman on. We'll talk about the results in Shanghai and set the scene for the ATP and WTA Tour Finals. Um, and then we've got a really fun series that we're planning to start to do. Um, I believe we're starting this Sunday through the end of the year. It, with 2019 being the end of the decade, with there being 10 years of fantastic tennis to talk about on both the ATP and WTA sides, we're going to be doing a best of the decade series. So we'll be talking about the best players, the best seasons, the best matches, the best rivalries, all of the things that have transpired this past decade. We kind of want to take a look back, uh, you know, make our list, have some arguments. Of course, I have a very hot take for my order of best players of the decade. I've got some hot take. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it all now. But that's a very fun thing we've been working on on Cracked Racket. So be on the lookout for those. Those will all be great shot podcasts. And I think we're going to do, as I mentioned, our first one live on video this Sunday. So be on the lookout on social media for more information about that. But with that in mind, let's talk some tennis. The place we have to start in Shanghai, as I mentioned, for the ATP World Tour Masters 1000 event there. All of the top seeds in play, and going into our quarterfinal round this morning, we had Novak Djokovic, who not, and I'm just going to recap these quickly because I, I do apologize, we didn't have a podcast for you listeners yesterday, uh, just was, again, with the timing, it gets difficult to squeeze these in during a lunch break, so I wasn't able to do that yesterday, but Novak Djokovic knocked off Isner in straight sets, Tsitsipas over Hurtcatch in a great three-set match, Medvedev continues to cruise, this time over Pospisil, 6-5, and five. Fonini over Hechenov, 6-3, 7-5. Berrettini over RBA, uh, six and four. Dominic Team over Basilashvili, three and four. Alex Zverev over Andre Rublev, six oh seven six, and then Roger Federer over David Goffin, seven six six four. And the reason I wanted to do that to set the scene is because. All eight of these players who made the quarterfinal round still in play for the ATP World Tour Finals when that round transpired. So again, going into the round, we had Fabio Fognini uh, versus, 
I believe he was playing Daniil Medvedev, Fonini, fighting for his life. He's number 12 right now in the ATP rankings, but you look at him in the ATP race, he's sitting at number 11. So he, he really needed a win in his quarterfinal match against Daniil Medvedev, who has clinched his spot comfortably in uh, the World Tour Finals. And just to we'll go through this one, the quickest Daniil Medvedev. Um, you don't want to say too comfortable, but a 6-3, 7-6 win over Fognini to advance to the semifinals. Just some quick stats on Medvedev from this season because somehow this was the least interesting match of the round. Again, we had two, what, top 12 players, and we're talking about the least interesting match. The quality of tennis, obviously, incredible in this one. But for Daniil Medvedev, this is his 12th semifinal of the year in Shanghai. Let me say that again, his 12th semifinal. Now, I've been doing some research for the Best of the Decade podcast and um, you know the best seasons, and some of the seasons uh, the big four were putting up early in the decade were just ridiculous. But for perspective, for the 22-year-old to reach his 12th uh, semifinal of the year, he has won his last 15 quarterfinal matches, and he has never lost at a Masters 1000 quarterfinal. He's now 4-0. and I mean, he has just simply been spectacular. He he hasn't, he's lost, what, three times in his last six events? The guy just doesn't lose, and to beat him on a hard court, it takes such a Herculean effort. He can just do so many different things so well. His feel for the game, and, you know, his confidence, all both all-time highs. I, I think at one point against Fonini, he took like an on-the-rise backhand passing shot down the line, almost just pure deflection of Fonini's power. And it worked to perfection. I mean, Daniil Medvedev, you look at his results this week, he hasn't dropped a set. And I mean, it's not like he hasn't played since the U.S. Open. He won a title two weeks ago, didn't play last week, but he's knocked off Norny in straights, obviously loves the Pospisil uh, in straight sets, although Vashik played really well this week. And then to knock off Fonini 6-3-7-6 today, I mean, you look at the stats from this match just real quickly, Fonini was unable to break Medvedev's serve, but even more impressively, didn't even get to a break point. I mean, Daniil Medvedev, 42 of 46 on first serve points, 7 of 14 on second serve points, but he's only playing 14 second serve points. I mean, so he played 14 second serve points. Fonini won 12 of 27 second serve points. I mean, Medvedev was on top of him all all game long. He only uh, broke Fonini once, and to Fonini's credit, he protected his first serve pretty well as well. But it just shows it's death by a thousand paper cuts, right? It's so difficult to sustain your level, to to constantly uh, penetrate the court against Daniil Medvedev, to hurt him in any sort of way. And he, again, he's 6'6". He can hurt you in so many different ways. I mean, it speaks to uh, why he's been able to have so much success over the past, whatever it, it's been now, eight weeks, ten weeks, and um, I don't expect it to slow down anytime soon. I think we've seen it for long enough now that we can say this is the Daniil Medvedev we should expect on hard courts at the very least moving into the 2020 season. So our first semifinalist of the day, Daniil Medvedev advancing 6-3 and 7-6. Our next match featured Stefano Tsitsipas, the number six seed, versus number one seed Novak Djokovic now. We've talked about this before, so I don't have to really set the scene for you guys. These are two of the top six best players on tour, at least according to the ATP rankings. And by the way, with Medvedev's win over uh, over Fonini, he had clinched Tsitsipas's place in the in London in the ATP World Tour Finals. So Tsitsipas did not need to win this match to advance, but he did anyways. And I mean, in this matchup with Djokovic, Tsitsipas ends up going... Uh, Losing the first set, but coming back to secure a uh, 3-6, 7-5, 6-3 win over Novak. 
Now, to set the scene for Novak, let's just do this real quick. We, it's obviously well aware Novak played last week in Tokyo, got the title there. Uh, that was obviously big for him, given the way he went out at the U.S. Open and in Cincinnati. But so to have that result at first and then to come here, uh, you know, you don't want to say in poor form, but just certainly you have to imagine he, he was feeling it a little bit in this match. And you could sort of see from his footwork on the forehand, it wasn't his usual self. It felt like C.T. Paz was on top of him uh, throughout a lot of the match. And yet, you look at the numbers in this match, this was a really, really, really close match. Let's start with total points. I mean, the fact that CT Paz won 85 to Djokovic's 83, uh, that speaks to how close the level was. And the biggest difference for me, uh, CT Paz's ability to protect his first serve and protect his game uh, himself on uh, just the serve in general in this match. He only faced one break point. Now Djokovic broke him on that one occasion, and that speaks to Novak Djokovic's excellence. But you look in the second and third sets, I mean, Tsitsipas' serve really, really stepped up a level. And in the match, he made 72% of his first serves, won 83% of those points now, only 11 of 23 on second serve points. But the key for him really limited those opportunities uh, for Novak too play an early first ball, take control of the point early on. Uh, but for Tsitsipas, I mean, it's not like Djokovic didn't play well. Djokovic made 74% of his first serves, made 70% of, uh, 170% of his first serve points, 73% of his second serve points. And yet, you know, he, Djokovic was the one under fire. Djokovic saved five of the seven break points he saved, uh, he faced. But again, Tsitsipas creates seven break points for himself versus Djokovic's one. Tsitsipas was genuinely the better player in this match. And now you look at just some of the cool things from this. With this win, Tsitsipas advances to 2-1 and one against Novak Djokovic all time. Fun fact, uh, there have been now 102 places, according to the Fanchild, at Chris Otto. Um, or Chris Otto at the Fanchild, I should say. I think Chris Otto is actually his real name. Um, you know, tonight, and that he got it from ATP Media. So I guess everyone's just citing everyone. But... With this now, uh, Pass is one of four players of those 102 with winning records against Novak Djokovic. The others, Fernando Gonzalez, a.k.a. Gonzo, one of our favorites at Cracked Rackets, 2-1 all-time. Ivo Karlovic, 2-1 all-time. Andy Roddick, probably his best stat from his career, respectfully, 5-4 and four against Novak Djokovic all-time. So uh, that that's crazy uh, for him to have accomplished and obviously... You know, he's, he's got to be feeling good about himself. Tsitsipas, who makes the final last week before losing in three sets to Dominic Team, who now makes the semifinal here. As I mentioned, there's a really fun video on tennis Twitter because I think they interviewed him right after the match and told him, hey, Stefanos, congratulations, you've qualified for the World Tour Finals. And he was unaware of it. And he goes, really? And he's like, that's awesome. And so it is awesome. And Stefano Tsitsipas deserves to be there. You look at his uh, season to date now, I think he's about, at about 45 and 21, two titles on the year, but he's performed at the Masters, right? He made that final on clay earlier in the year at a Masters event where he knocked off Rafa. He, uh, you know, he obviously made the final last year um, in Toronto as well, and just, you know, he makes semifinals of the City Open. He's done, he's done so many good round of 16 uh, at the French, obviously the semifinals of the Australian Open earlier in the year, semifinals in Rome, uh, where he lost to Rafa the week after losing to Djokovic in the finals of Madrid. I mean, Stefano Tsitsipas has cemented his place in the top 10. This was his breakout season, and it's from 
even if there was a little dip post Wimbledon, you know that semifinal at the City Open, fine. But you look at his results elsewhere and uh, during that timeline, not great. You know, loses first round Montreal to Hubie Hercatch, which is fine. Loses third uh, first round to Jan Leonard Struff in Cincinnati, seven six in the third. Again, you can understand how that happens. Loses first round to Andre Rublev in New York, where we saw how well Rublev did there. So again, you can sort of understand that. You know, his loss post Labor Cup in Zhuhai to Manorino, uh, he retires after the splitting the first two sets. You get that, he, you know, legs wise, just maybe not where he wanted to be post Labor Cup. But then to follow that up with this result, uh, in, with the result in Beijing where he beat Baslashvili, Isner, Zverev, Deuce on the Deuce, loses to team in three sets in the final. And then to go to Shanghai and put together the performance he has here, you know, obviously with the win over Djokovic, that's huge. But just throughout the week to beat Hubie Hurkacz after losing to him, to beat FAA, a guy who's been who's had his number thus far in their careers. I mean, what a huge week for the 21-year. He's what, 21, 20 years old? I mean, yeah, he's a young 21 years old. What's crazy is he could play in Milan this year. He's the defending next-gen Milan champion. He's still young enough, I believe, to qualify for the event. And you know, there's, given that he's made the real tour finals, much like Zverev did in the past, I, and that he's won it before, I don't think we'll see him in Milan. I also think he's played enough events on the season to where, you know, it probably doesn't need that extra, extra fluff, extra, sh- uh, you know, stuff in those instances. But yeah, he doesn't need that extra pressure. Is the word I was looking for. But yeah, just. What a fantastic season from Tsitsipas, who now number seven in the live rankings, two off his career high of number five, but will be a top 10 player come the start of 2020, and I don't think anyone would deny his right to be there. Uh, let's look at the bottom half of the draw, because again, on the top, obviously having Tsitsipas versus Medvedev, two of the best, maybe the two best under 24 players on the year thus far, but if you like that, the bottom half just is entertaining. Let's go quickly to Matteo Berrettini through his seven six six four win over Dominic Team. And again, this isn't to take anything away from Berrettini and to try and diminish his win. Uh, Dominic Team, much like Djokovic, won a title last week, has come on strong over the past week and a half, but just kind of ran out of steam in this one against Berrettini. But Berrettini, man, I, I think we've said this before. Like, remember when Jack Sock was playing really well and was really good huge serve huge forehand just imposes his will on the court and just so hard to uh, to beat him because it's at his speed I mean that's Matteo Berrettini right now it just has been electric down this home it really throughout the whole season a breakout year for the 23 year old as well I mean obviously made his first Grand Slam semifinal at the U.S. Open and to follow that up here you know with wins over guys such as uh, you know, knocks off Jan Leonard Struff, first round straight sets, beats Christian Guerin straight sets, RBA straight sets, Dominic Team straight sets. He hasn't dropped a set in this one either. I mean, the serve, the forehand, he knows what he does well. He loves to mix in drop shots against a guy like Dominic Team that actually worked particularly well given how far Team wanted to play behind the baseline to buy himself time. I mean, Bertini's just. He's confident, and he's riding the wave, and he deserves to be there. Now he has put himself in a winner-take-all match position for this next match of his against, in what was my opinion, the win of the day. He's going to face Alex Virev now, who knocks off Roger Federer. 6-3, 6-7, 6-3 now. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into this one. One, 
Federer in that second set, I think, fights off five match points to come back and get it to a third. So, you know, right away, as fans, you're thinking, oh, not this again from Zverev. Like, can't, what do we have to do to get him to close a match? Like, come on, let's go, Alex. And especially given yesterday against Andre Rublev, Zverev was up 6 0 and was you, you, he literally put together an hour where you're like, yep, that's the future of tennis. That guy's going to win 20 grand slams. He had never seen anything. Like, I mean, the length, the explosion, the power from all points of the baseline, just all the different things he was doing through that first set and a half. You're like, oh, yeah, that's why this was the guy for the past three years, right? This is the next guy. And then, I mean, for Zverev to come back the way he did, you, you can't deny, and I've seen others make this point on Twitter, and it's been numerous, so it's an obvious point to make. His level since Labor Cup is probably the best we've seen him play in 2019. I mean, he makes that semifinal last week before losing to Tsitsipas, but had set points in the first set of that match. And to come here and follow that up with a 7-6-7-6 win over Shardy, so again, you're tightly pushed, uh, you know, the meltdown in the second set, but to come through that yesterday against Andre Rublev, and then to beat Roger Federer here today, I mean, I mentioned that stat yesterday with... Uh, with uh, mentioned that stat yesterday. Mentioned that stat earlier with CT Pass. Well, let's talk about Roger Federer. Of the 63 players to face Roger Federer more than six times, only two, Djokovic and Nadal, have winning records against Federer. Tonight, Alex Virov now became the 64th player to face Nadal uh, to face Federer a seventh time, and he joined Djokovic and Nadal as the only three players with a winning record in that scenario. Zverev moves to four and three against Roger Federer, and let's be clear. There's, what, a 16-, 17-year age gap between the two of them. It's not like he's playing prime Roger throughout the entirety of his career. He's getting late-stage Roger. But given how much success Federer's had, given that Zverev seems to be one of the few guys who can actually beat him on hard court, that needs to mean something. That should mean something to Alex Zverev. And he's playing so much more confidently, whether it's with the serves, the double faults. You know, in this match against Federer, 17 aces against one double fault. You know, come, let's say, eight weeks ago, those numbers are probably flipped, where it's one ace against 17 double faults. It's the confidence he's hitting with at the baseline. It's that he continues <clears throat> to move. Oh, wow. See, I, <clears throat> I just get so excited when I'm talking about these young guys because we haven't seen them play this well in so long. But, I mean, you, you just... He screams talent. I don't need to describe this to you guys anymore. You're well, well, well aware of what he has. And so... It's just such an impressive win for him, and to see these guys make this push at the year end, I mean, it's the youngest Masters 1000 semifinal lineup since Indian Wells 2007. It's the first Masters 1000 since Hamburg 1999 with four semifinalists under the age of 24. At that time, it was Lapenti, Zabaleta, Rios, and Moya. Here we've got Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Berrettini, Zverev. As I mentioned at the top, uh, Alex Zverev and Matteo Berrettini really playing for that last uh, one of those last few spots in the World Tour Finals right now. Zverev sitting at number 7 with 2,615 points. Berrettini sitting at number 8 with 2,545 points. Both of the, you know, Berrettini 60 points ahead of RBA, who's in ninth place. I mean, these guys are fighting for their lives, and so you, you have to imagine the winner of this match, uh, Zverev Berrettini, who's going to get a, a Masters 1000 finals points now on there. They're probably in a commanding position. Now, you've still got the Paris Masters, of course, and I'm sure we'll see both of the, got those guys there, as well as RBA, Goffin, and Fodini, who are still really in position to make a push should they have a good result in Paris. But 
you want to be in command. You want to put yourself in a position to where these December matches matter. Or December, these October matches. It feels like December because it's the end of the season. But these October matches matter. And just to set the scene, you know, Medvedev Tsitsipas on top is one of the sneaky, fun next-gen rivalries. They seem to have gotten more friendly over the past couple of months. But in the past, there's been a lot of animosity when these two have played on the court. Just they're both fiercely competitive. They both really believe in their talents. They're both young up-and-comers who think they belong on these stages. And sometimes that brings out, you know, when you play Daniil Medvedev, death by a thousand paper cuts, that's never going to be fun. That's often very frustrating. And, you know, the results have showed Medvedev has beaten Tsitsipas all four times they've played. Now they've only played once this year, and it was a three-set Medvedev win in Monaco on the outdoor clay. The three times they played last year, all on hard courts in Miami, Medvedev won in three. At the U.S. Open, Medvedev won in four. In Basel, Medvedev won in three sets as well. I mean, it's going to be a close match. I promise you that. You'd probably argue Medvedev a little bit fresher just in this exact moment, although coming into the season, I mean, they both got, for Medvedev, he's played 71 matches at least coming into the week. For Tsitsipas, he's played 63 coming into the week. That's crazy, although they're both 23. I feel like we can do that at our age. Like, you'll be fine if you do that. Um, But Medvedev's played, or Medvedev, excuse me, Tsitsipas played last week and made the final, and you know he's played at such a high level. The emotions of not only qualifying for the next-gen finals, but beating Novak Djokovic as well. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a come down, although there's no time. You know, you can't afford that come down because if you fall behind Daniil Medvedev, you're not 100% locked in. He's going to kill you. And so for Tsitsipas, that's going to be a really, you know, a tough battle. Medvedev probably a favorite heading into it, but it's going to be some high-quality tennis. And then on the bottom half, you look for Zverev and Peratini. This is going to be their third-ever matchup. Zverev won last year in Rome, 7-5-6-2. Berrettini won this year in Rome, 7-5-7-5. So they've never played on a hard court. And again, the same thing for Tsitsipas that I said about his emotional hangover with Djokovic. For, Fed, uh, for Zverev, it's the exact same thing with Federer. The only difference being Zverev hasn't clinched anything yet, right? He really, you know, World Tour Finals still on the line, so he's going to have to be locked in. Uh, but uh, what a great weekend in Shanghai. I mean, seriously, if you're not excited about this tennis, I don't know what can get you amped. So, you know, be on the lookout for those results this weekend. I'm sure it's something we'll be talking about over the weekend if anything crazy happens. Maybe we'll have to do an emergency podcast I mean, but any permutation you mark up of those finals, as I said, let's say we get Tsitsipas Virov again. Mm. Let's say we get Tsitsipas Berrettini. I'm down with that. Let's say we get Medvedev Zverev. Mm. Let's say we get, you know, Medvedev Berrettini. I'm down with that as well. There's not a lot of situations. In fact, all of these situations, I think, as tennis fans, we should be excited for. And so we've got a really fun weekend ahead of us. As I mentioned, though, it's not only Shanghai where the action's going down. Let's flip gears now to, uh, first we'll go to Linz. I believe it's in Austria. Uh, It is Linz, Austria, where we had a very, 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 very notable quarterfinal occur uh, just earlier today. 15-year-old Coco Gauff, who recently broke the top 100 with her results this week, tallies her first top 10 win of her career. She knocks off number 8 seed, uh, number 8 in the world, I should say, number 1 seed Kiki Burton, 7-6-6-4, to advance to her first ever WTA semifinal. Goff becomes the youngest woman to reach a WTA semifinal since Nicole Vydasova, there's a name from the past, won the Tashkent in October 2004. She was 15 years old, 177 days uh, for those who are, you know, keeping track and making a list. But for Coco Goff, I mean, let's talk about the spoiler role she played. Now for Kiki Bertens, who 
got the experience of having, uh, you know, uh, Belinda Benchich, who's also, I think, number nine right now in the race to, to oh, sorry, excuse me, Burton's number nine, Benchich number 10, of course, Serena Williams number eight, but we don't really know her status. Benchich lost first round here, and so Kiki Burton's really did have a chance to put this thing away, right, put herself in control, even surpass Serena with a title here. And she's not able to do that. And now that's not to take anything away from Coco Goff, but looking to next week where I believe we have an event in Moscow, I think we're going to see both Bertens and Bench still in play. And it just means the fi- the fight to the finals extends another week. Um, but for, uh, yeah, it says, so Serena Williams will call- qualify for the WTA finals according to Jose Morgado, who, again, according to Nikirios, doesn't have any top 10 wins, but we'll throw that aside for another time. Uh, Serena Williams will qualify for the WTA finals unless Burton's or Benchich reach the final in Moscow. So just gives us one more thing to monitor as we head down the home stretch. You look at it for Coco Goff. I mean, to take advantage of this opportunity, she comes in as a lucky loser. Now she's in her first WTA semifinal. It's a win for her. And, you know, she's gonna have, if she wants to bring home this title, it's going to be awfully tough. On the bottom half, Ostapenko, Rybakina playing today. Um, Mladenovic versus Alexandrova playing today as well. And then you've got, ooh, we actually have some live results. So Goff knocks off Bert Katens. She's going to be playing Petkovic, who knocked off Kuzmova, 6-4, 6-1. Alexandrova currently up 6-2-3 all against Mladenovic. And then Ostapenko and Rybakina, the nightcap tonight. So again, yeah. I don't know how a 15-year-old Coco Goff isn't going to catch your interest as a tennis fan. So it's another thing to continue to watch as we look forward to a really, really, really fun weekend. And then the other uh, WTA tournament, of course, in Tianjin, the finals. We have set on Jabour, a 7-6, 7-6 winner over Putin Seva. She's going to play Rebecca Pedersen, who has rolled uh, since that Venus Williams first round win into the semifinals. Here, knocking off the unseated Yafan Wang, 6-7, 6-4, 6-2. On the bottom half of the draw, Kudermatova ends Diana Yastremska. The number three seeds run 6-4-6-0. She's going to play British player Heather Watson, a 7-5-6-7-7-6 winner over the number eight seed, Lynette. So, you know, again, more semi... It's, it's going to be a day-long uh, affair of tennis. You'll start late Friday night. Let's say, like me, you're planning to go out tonight. Uh, you're going to come home after the bars close, and if you're unlucky, you're by yourself, you get to watch some great tennis. So what's worth, you know, never a worse fallback option than getting to fall back on some excellent matches uh, going on in the tennis world. So we're all looking forward to that. And again, I'm sure if Coco Goff wins her first WTA title this week, if you think we're not going to emergency pod, uh, you're crazy. But with that in mind, a couple other things I just want to run through real quickly, as I've been mentioning all week long, uh, we have ourselves a a wonderful event going on in uh, Fairfield, California. Not only do we have, I believe, a, a, in Claremont, we've got a futures event, but in Fairfield, we've got ourselves, of course, a wonderful challenge event where we've got a lot of top seeds still in action. Uh, number one seed, Stevie Johnson, has rolled through another challenger thus far. Straight set wins over Michael Moe, over Evan King. He'll now play Darian King, um, <clears throat> who himself, a 4-2 winner uh, to reach the quarterfinals over former NCAA champion Blas Rolla. Uh, and and the other top uh, part of the top half, number four seed Taro Daniel one six seven six six three over recent UCLA grad Max Cressy uh, for Cressy who knocked off Aragoni in the first round. He I believe he was up a set and four and was at four all in the second set and then just you know the thing kind of fell apart for him. But for Daniel, great result there. But you're talking about college guys, Brandon Nakashima. I mean. 
is this guy going to go back to UVA? I really, really, really could not tell you. And the reason I say that is because you look for Nakashima here. He makes another challenger quarterfinal, this time knocking off uh, Denis Novikov, who was a lucky loser, uh, filling in for Ty Kwiatkowski, 6'2", 6'4". You wonder if Kwiatkowski... Now I'm not even going to take that shot. I'm not saying it. I didn't say it. Just don't pretend I said nothing there. Um, but for Nakashima, he knocks him off 2-4, and four, and then he knocks off number 6 seed James Duckworth, who's currently a top 150 player in the world, 7-6, and you look for Nakashima right now in the live rankings. I mean, he's sitting at 556, which isn't great. You know, you're probably not going to get into a lot of challengers, but if he continues this progression, let's say he goes, because we still have a full indoor challenger season, right? We've still got Charlottesville, which I promise he'll be in, Knoxville, Tallahassee, and I want to say Champaign are the last four down the home stretch. Let's say he gets you know, five, six wins between those four events, which feels very possible. Suddenly he finds himself in the top 400, given the level I've seen from him this summer. The guy's ready to be a pro. I mean, he's that good at tennis. And so, you know, we see him here, not at the ITA All-Americans. He's not the only guy, of course. We see Brandon Holt here as well. Uh, You you know, we see a couple of guys uh, who are in and out uh, playing professional events. Some of them are playing that Futures event as well. Uh, But, I mean, he's been so good. So it's just something to think about as we get ready for this college season. I'm sure Chris and I will talk about it more next week. But on the bottom half, uh, we have Kevin King knocking off Dennis Kudla, 6'2", 6'3", Peter Polanski over the young German, Nicola Kuhn, uh, 6'4", 6'4". Jack Draper, the young British player, has been on a roll this week, knocks off Alex Rybakov in three sets, then knocks off Jack Sock, 3-6-7-6-6-3, in a match I don't really want to talk about by myself because I feel like I'll get in trouble. And then Jack Draper, a 6-3-7-6 win as well over Donald Young to set up a matchup with Chris O'Connell, a 6-1-6-2 winner over US, uh, former USC player Emilio Gomez, who we've seen come on strong of late as well. But so that's the scene there. Last thing I want to touch on just real quickly ITA All-Americans, you know our roots as Cracked Rackets people. We are major college tennis fans. And look, the reason we are is because the level of tennis you're going to see here just as uh, high as you're going to see, you know, you'll see anywhere. And so that's not true. But the point is, it's such a high level of tennis. And, you know, on Friday, we've got round of 16 and quarterfinal singles action for both the men and the women. I believe they've been dealing with rain in Tulsa. And who could have seen that happening? Rain in Tulsa, Oklahoma in October. But, uh, you know, a a really fun group of of players still alive. Obviously, the big notes, number one seed, Christian Siskard lost last uh, yesterday for the men, as did number 17, John McNair. Alley to ice uh, I want to say Guy Osteria and Philip Henning of Georgia, respectively. But elsewhere, a lot of seeds still around. Kofa Savage versus Habib. That's an Illinois A&M matchup. Riffis versus Vokchel. Crawford versus Alistair Gray. Alex Rothschild, the highly touted Stanford sophomore, versus Keegan Smith. Yuya Ito versus Matthias Soto. Let's get that Texas Baylor stuff going now. Uh, Aguilar versus Walton. That's going to be a really fun day of action. And then, you know, on the women's side, By the way, a lot of those players, if you want to learn more about them, we just had Keegan Smith. We've had John McNally. We've had a lot of these people on our Cracked Interviews podcast, so go look out for that. But on the women's side, number one seed Estela Perez-Somariba. So far, uh, three-set scare in her first match, but then three and one yesterday to right the ship in the round of 16. We just had her on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Of course, she's the defending 2019 NCAA Women's Singles Champion. We've got her still alive. Tarati, the 15th seed of Texas, is who she'll face next. Below them, number five seed Davatella will play Rio of uh, Oklahoma State. Alexa Graham of North Carolina, as by the way, is Davatella. It's going to take on 
um, Chi of Duke, and by the way, UNC Duke, I'm all in on that now. Alana Smith of NC State upsets UCLA's number seven seed, Jada Hart. She's going to play the 13 seed, Roska of Vanderbilt. You look on the bottom half, Ashley Leahy of Pepperdine is going to play Drummy of Georgia. Mara of North Carolina. Three North Carolina players. All right, I know my team to circle on the women's side. Uh, she's going to play Brizgalo- uh, Brizgalova of Penn. Uh, we have Beck of Duke taking on the number 16, and Rogers, NC State. By the way, it looks like NC. Again, this is, this is how I get... Uh, my fill. This is how I get ready for the year. This is the best chance to preview all of these teams because on the bottom we've got the number 14 seed Bolton of UCLA uh, playing Vivian Wolf of Georgia who knocked off the number two seed, another UNC player, McKenna Jones, 0-5 yesterday. And as I mentioned, both round of 16, quarterfinal action, all in play today. So be monitoring that. And I believe the finals on Sunday will be on ESPNU. And I actually think that they're going to be called by Mike Cation, but I'm not 100% sure but I'm pretty sure that he is this weekend. So, you know, I'm always listening when it's my Cation on the call. But uh, if you, you know, if that's a lot of tennis for you, you're, you're feeling overwhelmed already, you need a place to follow all of the action, you know where to turn to. Our website, CrackedRackets.com, all of our content up to date on there. This podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, as I mentioned for the GSPs, we'll have the Best of Decade series, uh, Best of the Decade series starting this Sunday, so be on the lookout for that. But interview-wise, we're getting back in the college swing, as I mentioned, with Smith, Somariba. I know we've got Paul Jubb on the interview horizon. Uh, that'll be released, I'm sure, sometime next week. But then professional players. I mentioned Stevie Johnson. We had him on recently. I've said Dennis Kudla's name recently. I mean, Mitchell Kruger, on and on and on. Coco Vandeweghe, I can't believe I didn't mention her. Bethany Maddox-Sands, everything. Every time Vicky Duvall comes on and blesses us with her lovely, lovely spirit. Um, it's it's a fun time, so check all of those podcasts out. Like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. You know, only five-star reviews. We, we don't mess around with that other stuff. But if you have any fun notes, any preliminary thoughts on the best of the decades podcast we want to know maybe there's a specific topic from the decade you would like us to discuss uh, but with that in mind of course gotta give a shout oh i should have said social media twitter facebook instagram youtube it's all at cracked rackets for your immediate updates you know that by now but i gotta give a shout out to the hu- to the super producers max fliegner and daniel westoff who as always have a f-ing editing job to do and boys you know this hundreds of thousands of dollars that's what you're worth to me but with that in mind for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both the Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Networks, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And, boy, get ready for a fun weekend of tennis, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.